Congratulations, those that are in tonight, because uh, we are going to explore another strategy for victory. And I'm just going to pray with us tonight uh, before we go into the presentation. Father, in the name above every other name, even the name of our sovereign Savior, Jesus, we are grateful for another opportunity to connect, to share, to learn and to grow. We are praying that your word will become a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and that as your word enters our mind, it will turn on the light bulbs and expose the things that have been hidden in darkness and create for us a path, even the path of the just, that is as a shining light that shines more and more until the perfect day. And this we have prayed in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all the people said, Amen and Amen. This will be our second strategy for victory. And I'm going to talk about the power of focus. The power of focus. Amen. And what we're going to look at tonight, we're going to look at some scripture. We're going to come up with a working definition for focus. We're going to look at some focus quotes. And then I'm going to look at exactly how the devil uh, attempts to break our focus and why our focus is such a target for the enemy when we are going through perilous times, difficult times, a storm, a test. You know, what the enemy wants is your focus and he will fight for your focus. And because he's fighting for your focus, you must fight for your focus. And then we're going to look at how we can focus. Amen. Glory to God. So the first scripture we're going to read is from 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. And the context here is that Paul is explaining uh, to the Corinthians why he's going to stay at Ephesus. Okay, so Ephesus was a pretty, pretty difficult, challenging city for Paul. Actually, his ministry uh, caused a riot in the city. Um, it was a very colorful episode and chapter in his life, and undoubtedly the most fruitful. Um, Paul was able to reach um, most of Asia from his strategic location in Ephesus. And, uh, and, and, you know, in the natural, anyone would just leave Ephesus because, uh, you know, we tend to go where we're celebrated and not where we're tolerated. And uh, Paul had a difficult time, to say the least, in Ephesus. Uh, he even says in another passage that he fought with the beasts at Ephesus. And uh, certainly in his writing to the Ephesians, uh, in the sixth chapter, he talks about wrestling against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. And he writes to them, uh, you know, as if they understand what he's talking about. And of course they did, because Christianity was not initially welcome in Ephesus. But here's uh, what informed Paul's decision. Paul says, he explains why he's staying in Ephesus. He says, for a great door, woo, a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Let me just kind of translate that into a more modern version. So he says, there is a great opportunity, that's a great door, for effective ministry. There's a great door and effectual is a great opportunity for effective ministry. And that door or that opportunity is open to me. However, there are equally many adversaries. There are many adversaries. And the suggestion here is that for every great door, there will simultaneously, uh, you know, as part of the package, be many adversaries. And of course, you know, it, it makes strategic sense that the enemy would position his troops um, at the locations um, that would give more of an advantage uh, to the gospel. 
And so if there really is an opportunity to advance the gospel, then the enemy will command his troops to, to be there. And so Paul said, look, there's a big opportunity, but there are many adversaries. Uh, it was true then, it's true now. How many of you know it's true that whenever there's a big opportunity in front of you, there's also lots of adversity. Um, and I think of it this way, you know, great door, great adversity. Uh, little door, little adversity. Paul said, I've got a great door and it's coming with lots of adversity. And of course, within the context of focus, I guess he now has to choose what he's going to focus on. And clearly, he chose to focus on the opportunity that was in front of him and not on the adversity that sought to oppose him. He focused on the opportunity and not on the adversity. And that's why he said, I'm staying in Ephesus. I'm staying here. And the reason I'm able to stay here, even though I'm going through a lot of adversity, is that I'm not focused on the adversity. I am focused on the opportunity. Wow. So let's look at another passage. Um, this is Philippians 3, verses 13 to 14. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. And this is where Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Notice I've put that one in bold. This one thing I do. Oh, I love that so much. Let's say it again. This one thing I do. Here you could already feel the power of his focus. This one thing I do. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I love this because Paul is giving us a glimpse into his mind, the mind of the greatest missionary apostle in Christian history. We are getting a glimpse into his mind. He says, the reason I am pressing is because I am focused on one thing, this one thing I do. He says, I'm forgetting the things that are behind. I'm reaching to the things that are before me and I'm pressing. That, my friends, is the power of focus. So let's get a working definition of focus right now, a working definition of focus. And here it is. If, and I pulled this off of an online dictionary, I think it's useful. And here it goes. If you focus on a particular topic, or if your attention is focused on it, then it means you are concentrating on it, thinking about it, discussing it, dealing with it, rather than dealing with other topics. So, you know, we know what focus uh, looks like when we are, um, you know, uh, when it comes to our vision, our sight. Uh, we each have a peripheral vision so that we are aware of other things in the room, but we can only focus on one thing at a time. So, and as, and the more you focus on that thing, the more everything else in the room uh, goes out to the extremities of your peripheral vision. So I'm focusing on my screen right now. I am aware of other things in the room, but they are somewhat blurred. What is clear to me is the thing I'm focusing on. Well, you know, we have a mind's eye. You know, our, our mind is likewise a, 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 a set of eyes. And with our minds, we can choose what we focus on. And as we focus on it, uh, we are aware of everything else going on in our lives. We are aware of everything else happening around us, but we they are not clear to us. They are blurred. They are outlined. What is clear to us is the thing we are focusing on with our concentration, with our imagination, with our language, our conversation. We can focus with these things and a focus is a very important and powerful strategy for victory. Let me read some quotes from some famous people on focus. I think they're useful. First is Zig Ziglar, the um, 
the uh, great uh, uh, professional uh, sales uh, trainer, uh, tra trained more sales professionals than perhaps anyone, and was an outstanding Christian and would openly talk about his faith in Christ. Here's what Zig Ziglar said. He said, I don't care how much power, brilliance, or energy you have. If you don't harness it and focus it on a specific target and hold it there, you're never going to accomplish as much as your ability warrants. Wow. I think that's a very powerful quote. I think that we've all um, experienced this or we've witnessed this or we know someone for whom this is very true. And that someone could be you. But we, 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 we know people who are just brilliant they, they're just brilliant. They're so capable. They're so talented. They're so gifted, but they're not getting anything done. And the reason they're getting nothing done is they're not focusing their brilliance, their energy, their talents, their gifts. They're not focusing it on a particular target. And so it's just all over the place. It's not harnessed. harnessed. It's wild energy. And so it doesn't matter how much power, brilliance, or energy you have, if you don't harness it and focus it on a specific target, hold it there, you're never going to accomplish as much as your ability warrants. Now, here's another great author, Paolo Coelho. He's the author of The Alchemist, another great book. And here's what he says. Whenever you want to achieve something, keep your eyes open. Concentrate and make sure you know exactly what it is you want. No one can hit their target with their eyes closed. Now, of course, um, you know, there'll be exceptions to the rule. Someone will close their eyes, aim at a target, and, uh, and, and hit the target. Uh, but that's usually indicative of many, many years of practice and rehearsing, etc., etc. For the most part, if you want to hit your target, you have to, you have to see it and you have to focus on it because your energy is going to flow where your focus is. You look at it, you know, if you're playing darts or if you're, if you're, you're an archer, you have to look at your target, focus on it, because your energy is going to go where your focus is. Where the focus goes, the energy flows. Remember, Bishop said that. Where the focus goes, the energy flows. So you're not going to hit your target with your eyes closed. Open your eyes, look at exactly what you're trying to do with your life, and focus on it so that your energy can flow in that direction. What about Jack Canfield, great author, author of The Success Principles and many other great works? He says, successful people maintain a positive focus in life. No matter what is going on around them, they stay focused on their past successes rather than their past failures and on their the next action steps they need to take to get them closer to the fulfillment of their goals. That is his observation after studying outstanding people for many, many years. He says successful people maintain a positive focus. How many successful people are on the line right now? How many of you have already decided, I'm going to maintain a positive focus? This is fantastic. I hope you're one of them who wrote in the chat box and said, I'm going to maintain a positive focus. Or I hope you're one of those that's saying it in your heart that my focus is important, that where my focus goes, my energy flows. And, and I'm hoping you're realizing that Paul, you know, he was able to achieve outstanding success as a missionary evangelist because he was able to focus on his goals. He said, this one thing I do, you know, I don't have everything right yet. He said, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I'm forgetting the what's behind me and I'm reaching out to what's in front of me and I'm pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. You know, he said in our first reading in 1 Corinthians 16, he said, look, uh, there's the reason I'm staying here in Ephesus is because there's a great opportunity in front of me. And yes, there are many adversaries, but I'm not focusing on the adversity. I'm focusing on the opportunity.
So people who start to experience breakthroughs and people that have great testimonies, it's not, you know, it's it's not the roulette of life. It's not the roll of a dice. It's not that, you know, heaven has simply chosen to bless that one and not to bless that one. There are principles at work. There are laws at work. One of those laws is simply the law of focus, that where your focus goes, your energy flows, and that no matter how brilliant you are, no matter how bright, no matter how powerful, no matter how gifted, if you do not harness it and focus it on a specific goal, then uh, we're never going to see your greatness. It's just power all over the place. And this is why the enemy's strategy, the enemy's number one strategy against you is to break your focus. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know it's true? The enemy's number one strategy against you in a battle is to break your focus. Now, you know, I could go through many other scriptures, but I'm just going to um, highlight the fact that Peter walked on the water. You remember uh, they were in a storm. They saw Jesus walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, if it's really you, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter climbed out of the boat, put one foot on the water, another foot on the water, and began walking on the water towards Jesus. Actually, he was walking on the word. He was walking by faith. And as he was walking to Jesus and literally defying every natural law, defying the laws of nature, walking on the water towards Jesus, the Bible says his, effectively, his focus was broken. He began to observe the wind, the waves, the storm, the tempest, the danger. And as he took his eyes off Jesus and began to look at the adversity and began to look at the danger he was in, uh, began to look at the risk he was taking, and his mind became filled with those things, the Bible says he began to sink. You see, if the devil wants to sink you, his number one strategy is to break your focus. That is what the enemy is trying to do to you and I in this season is break our focus. And uh, it can happen very easily. A phone call can break your focus. An email can break your focus. A WhatsApp message can break your focus. And it's, it's you know, uh, it, it can take the whole day to recover from that thought that has entered your mind at the beginning of a day that has broken your focus. So I want you to become very protective over your capacity to focus and to guard it because if the enemy can break it, then of course he can cause you to sink. Somebody shout amen in the chat box. This is good. So I want to show you the four ways in which the enemy seeks to break your focus, the four ways in which he seeks to break your focus. So number one to the far left is distraction. Everybody say distraction. How many of you know what I am talking about? Distraction. I'm going to check you all out in the chat box. I see you. I see you typing. All right. Distraction. And so the enemy wants you looking the wrong way so you won't see what he's really doing. So if the enemy is coming at you from the right, he wants you to look to the left so that you can't see what he's up to. And what he will do is he'll cause a distraction over there. Now you take your eyes off of your goal. You take your eyes off of where they're supposed to be and you're looking somewhere else. Now you can't see what he's up to in your uh, immediate uh, future. You can't see it because you're distracted. And distractions come in many shapes and sizes, in many forms and packages. Sometimes it's a people distraction. Uh, sometimes it's a circumstantial distraction. Like I say, it can be a letter. It can be, a, it can be an email. It can be a WhatsApp. It can be a phone call. And it just it's, it's a distraction. And it's taking you away, taking your focus away from where it ought to be. What about smoke screens? Number two, smoke screens. Okay, so if, you know, in a battle, 
You know, if the enemy wants to hide, what he's going to do is he's going to send smoke bombs uh, to create a screen of smoke so that you can't see uh, where the enemy is. You can't see where to fire your weapons. The enemy will let off smoke bombs that sound devastating, but really it's a cloud of smoke to hide his true intentions. The thing about smoke bombs is that they sound like real bombs. They sound more devastating and more deadly than they really are. Uh, the bark is much worse than the bite. And so what the devil wants to do is make a lot of noise around you and start screaming in your ears. And until everything seems to be critical, everything is threatening, everything suddenly has the potential to take you out and you're being screamed at, there's a lot of noise. But let's get real here. It, this has been your life all your life. And it didn't take you out last year. It's not going to take you out this year. It uh, it didn't stop you last time. It's not going to stop you this time. Uh, you've been here before. Uh, you've been this way before. You understand that a lot of what has captured your attention is noise. And and it's smoke. Okay? It's not real. It's It doesn't really have the potential to prevent you making progress. And so uh, one author once said, you know, I, I've endured many things in life, many hardships in life. And then he said, most of which never happened. You know, and I found that quite, quite amazing. I've endured m many hardships in life, most of which never happened. And this is what's going on for way too many Christians. We are enduring hardships that have never happened. Uh, they haven't happened. They're probably not going to happen, but we're enduring them. We're entertaining them. We are emotionalizing them. We are internalizing them. We are traumatized by them. And what we are subject to right now is a smokescreen. And the objective is to break your focus. Because if we break your focus, we either stop you making progress or we get you making progress in the wrong direction or we're able to attack you uh, in ways that you couldn't see it coming uh, or he's able to sink you because of the smokescreen. All right, let me jump over to the third one. I want to talk about scarecrows. Scarecrows. I think we all know what a scarecrow is, right? Uh, the farmer wants to protect his field, wants to protect the field. And there are crows and there are buzzards and there are ravens in the air. And so uh, they're not going to come in the field if there's a man standing there. So what the farmer does is create a straw man, put the straw man in clothes, have it, the straw man standing up with his arms out. And now all the crows are keeping away from the field because they're scared. They're scared of a straw man. Child of God, I want you to know something. A lot of the things we are scared of are fundamentally straw men. They were set up by the enemy to keep you out of your field. You see, God has, God has blessed you. God has blessed you with dominion. And his purpose for your life is that you will have dominion over a domain, that you will dominate a domain. Psalm 8 says he, he made you to have dominion over the works of his hands. We see this in Genesis 1, that God made man in his image and likeness and blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. This is the highest will of God for you in this earth realm, that you be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, that you will have an experienced dominion. But far too many of us are afraid to even go into the field. We are afraid to make progress. We're afraid of success. We're afraid of climbing up because we got this mindset, new levels, new devils. And we got this mindset that, look, the devils I'm dealing with on this level, they're strong enough. I, I don't want any more trouble. I don't want any more attention. I don't want any more criticism. I don't want any more critique. I, I don't want I don't want to be more exposed to, to critics and to enemies and all this is, is that the devil has set up scarecrows in the field, and the scarecrows are there 
to break your focus. Let me read what we've written here. The enemy will special, uh, specializes in straw men that look menacing but really have no capacity to hurt you. They are there to keep you out of your field of potential. All right, here's the final one um, that I want to deal with, and it's a, it's a really important one, and perhaps the most difficult one for believers. And it is the invitation. It's the invitation. Now, Jesus said it this way, if a man smites you on your right cheek, turn to him the left. Now, of course, some Christians look at that and say, well, Jesus was a pacifist and he's teaching pacifism and there is absolutely no circumstance under which a believer should retaliate, resist or physically uh, 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 defend or protect. And, you know, and, and they're and they're just against that. But I don't think that's what Jesus was saying in the passage. I think he was saying, don't accept an invitation to war. Don't accept an invitation to battle because the man smiting you on the right is inviting you into a battle. It's an ancient, classic, and cultural invitation to war. He smites you on the right cheek and says, come on then, uh, and has is, and is invited you into a battle. And of course, if you walk away, there's the humiliation, there's the shame, there is the perceived defeat but Jesus says, don't accept an invitation to battle. Why? Because, see, if God sends you into a battle, guess what? God is going with you. And guess what? Because God is with you, you cannot lose. However, if the devil invites you into a battle and you go in, you're going in by yourself. And the possibility of being beaten up badly is now very high because you've stepped into an arena that God didn't send you into. So you have to practice the self-discipline of saying, look, I know you want to argue, but I don't want to argue and I'm not going to argue. I know you're trying to bring me into your space, into your into your anger, into your frustration, into your bitterness. You know how some people project their mood and almost invite you to come in, just say something, say anything so I can kick off uh, right now. Uh, guess what? You have to be the person who is wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, that you have enough self-discipline, character, and control to get ready for this one, to choose your battles choose your battles. So we are here now saying that you don't have to go into every fight. You, uh, you don't have to go into a fight just because you're invited. You only go into a fight when you are sent. And whether that's an emotional battle, a war of words, or whatever the conflict is, you don't go in unless God sends you. And if you're being invited, you say, no, thank you. And you walk away. Why? Because let's suppose you accept the invitation, okay? Let's say it's a road rage incident where you're driving responsibly and someone else is driving recklessly and then they turn around and accuse you of driving irresponsibly and they're shouting uh, their various uh, languages at you. Now, your flesh, your ego says, you know what? I'm shouting back. Uh, and of course, once you start giving into that, you, it takes you a little bit further because the flesh is never satisfied and says, now stop the car, get out and start screaming and, and make a scene in the street. So listen, God never sent you into that battle. You were invited into that battle. And if with the discipline and the, and the, the control, the self-control, you can say, ha, 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 devil, you think I'm a fool. I know exactly what you're doing. You're trying to break my focus because there's a big breakthrough that I'm on the brink of right now. There's an opportunity, a great door, a great opportunity is open for me right now, and, there, and you are one of the many adversaries. Well, I'm not a fool. I'm not going to succumb to your invitation. I'm going to smile. I'm going to say, praise the Lord, and I'm going to keep on driving. Now, you can do that, or you can you can succumb. And guess what? You may win the argument. You may win the battle. You may come away with your victory. But guess what? There are some battles that even if you win, you still lose. I'm going to say it again. There are some battles that even when you win, you still lost. You know why you lost? 
because you lost time, you lost energy, you lost focus. And now you're going to have to redeem that time, refine that energy and refine that focus. So even when you're coming back saying, I taught him, I taught her, I showed them, I gave them my mind, I did this, you're coming back and the devil is laughing at you because you missed a moment that you couldn't see. There was a moment while you were screaming at another person, you were missing a moment that was preordained for you. So you're coming back at, with your so-called victory and the enemy is laughing. This is a big one, okay? This is a big one and it takes practice and, uh, and it takes perfecting, but it's about choosing your battles carefully. Why? Because time is a limited resource and energy is a limited resource and you've got to save your energy for the battles that matter and you've got to invest your time in the things that matter, things that pertain to your destiny and legacy. When we realize that all the devil can do, all he can do is break our focus. He can't physically stop us from making progress. But if he can break our, fo our focus, then we will slow our own selves down and we will begin sinking because our focus is broken. So I want to explain why your focus is so important. Why it's so important. And this would really take a whole seminar to explain, so I'm just going to run through it, and I'm sure it will bless you as we run through it. I'm glad you're all still making comments. I hear you. I feel you. I'm grateful that you're making comments in the various chat boxes. Now, watch this. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Watch this. Why focus? Number one, direction. Your focus determines your direction. You ever heard the phrase, look where you're going? Look where you're... Has anyone ever told you to look where you're going? If they told you that, it's because they observed you moving in one direction while looking in another. Okay? You could have been driving in one direction and you're looking out the window at something else. And someone says, look where you're going. Now, there's good reason why you should look where you are going. It is number one because... If you don't look where you're going, you may encounter an obstacle you could have avoided and crash, uh, crash as you go. Nobody wants to crash on their journey because, again, you're going to lose time. You're going to lose energy. You're going to lose strength if you crash. And you could have avoided the crash by simply keeping your eyes on the road and looking where you are going. But there's another reason why you have to look where you're going. It is because you will ultimately go where you're looking. Woo! Look where you're going because you're going where you're looking. You see, if you're going north but looking west, you are going to swerve and you'll end up going northwest. Okay? You're not going north anymore because your direction is being controlled by your focus. That's true of our natural eyes, but it is also true of your spiritual eyes, your mental eyes, your eyes of faith. You see, if you are looking back, you're going back. If you're looking around, you're going around. But if you are looking forward, you're going forward. It's very important that we focus on forward, that we look where we are going, where we intend to go, where we want to go, and that we keep a healthy mental focus on it. You know, Paul said it in, in our second reading from Philippians. He said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching out to the things that are before, I press. That is the power of focus. That as you're looking where you're going, you're going to go where you are looking. The reason I don't want to spend too much time looking around is because I don't want to go round in circles. The reason I don't want to spend too much time looking back is because I don't want to start going back. It's okay to look in the rearview mirror every now and again, but it's never okay to drive in the rearview mirror. You will crash, uh, you will stall. And some people are driving 
their life in the rearview mirror and wondering why you're making no progress. It is because your mind is full of yesterday. It's full of yesteryear. And particularly the failures, the pain, the falls, the mistakes, the, the ridicule, the, the, the embarrassment, the things that happen to you that happen to us all on the journey of life. If your head is full of it, you are driving in the rearview mirror and not making any progress at all. Direction. Somebody shout in the chat box. Number two, why focus concentration? If you want to solve a problem, you must concentrate and think deeply through it. We know this. We tell children in school who say, oh, I don't know the answer. I can't answer this. What do we tell them? Say, concentrate, think, look at it again, concentrate. Because we know that people can't solve problems who are not concentrating. We know that we can't elicit our inner expertise. We cannot access our innate resourcefulness without concentration. And so if you're trying to achieve a goal, if you're trying to build a business, if you're trying to build a ministry, if you are trying to build a family, if you are trying to, it, whatever you're trying to do, if you're trying to create a financial fortress for your family, an inheritance for your children's children, you will encounter problems that can only be solved through concentration through focus. You have to focus on it. You're going to have to push other things into your peripheral vision and pay it attention until you get your solution. Can I hear an amen from somebody? This is so good. These two alone are reasons why you can see why the devil is after your focus, because if he can grab your focus, he can change your direction. If he can grab your focus, he'll make it difficult, nigh impossible for you to solve any problems because you can't solve problems without concentration. But here's the third one, and this is a really important one. It's called emotion. It's called emotion. So one of the things that we found out in the in the in the world of psychology, and some of you know, you know, Bishop Wayne is 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 a bishop in the Church of Jesus Christ in in the kingdom, um, a, a minister over 30 years, uh, but I'm also a professional coach, and I specialize in life, performance, and business coaching. And from that stream, you know, we've learned a few things about human behavior and about human psychology and about why we do the things that we do and why we respond the way that we respond. And I guess I got into it because I wanted to understand me and I wanted to understand people. See, as a minister of Christ, I am called to 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 be uh, an ambassador of Christ and to reconcile uh, with the ministry of reconciliation that's to bring men and God together right you got to bring men and God together you become a bridge you become a link between men and God that's what the christian ministry is all about now, uh, the problem is that we went to Bible school and we learned all about God. So we know all about God. We know little about people. And then we struggle to bring people to God or God to people. We struggle to be the bridge. Can we only understand one side of the equation? So I began studying some psychology because I wanted to understand people. I study theology to understand God, but I study psychology and sociology and economics and history so I can understand people. One of the things we found out about people is that your feelings follow your focus. Woo! My God, that is so good. Your feelings follow your focus. Actually, you cannot feel anything about anything you are not focused on. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, I think you've all had the experience where... Um, you know that something's wrong, something's wrong, but you can't remember what it is. You say, you know what, I'm supposed to be feeling bad about something, I can't remember what it is. And then all of a sudden you remember it, oh yes, I'm, I'm feeling bad, right? Because see, once you're not focused on it, you, the feelings uh, do not follow. And so your focus, your feelings are following your focus and your feelings are important because that's determining your state. 
See, you want to start a day with energy. You want to start a day with enthusiasm. You want to start a day with optimism. You want to start a day with some great feelings. But see, if your focus is broken and you're no longer focusing on what you're grateful for, you're no longer focusing on what's going for you, but you're now focusing on what you're not grateful for, you're focusing on what's coming against you, then your feeling and your state is going to go with you into the day and you're going to find it difficult to get things done. So to change your feeling, you must change your focus. To change your feeling, you must change your focus. One of the ways we do this is to simply count your blessings. So when you're feeling very, very low or you're feeling sad, you're feeling, you're feeling worried, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling things that are leaving you just not feeling good. One of the best things you could do is say, you know what? I'm going to count my blessings. I'm going to name them one by one. And it's going to surprise me what the Lord has done. I'm going to make a list of everything that's going for me, everything that's good in my life, everything that was good in my past, every opportunity that lies before me. I'm going to start to make a list. Everyone that loves me, that I love, everyone that's in my life, family, friends, I'm going to begin to thank God for things. And what you're going to find is that even after 15 minutes of counting your blessings, that your focus has shift, you shifted, your feelings have shifted, and you're now in another place. Finally, energy. Energy. Energy is generated through focus. When you focus on achieving a goal, you instruct your subconscious mind to find a way and to find the means. So when we're lacking energy, it's because our focus is broken. When your focus is clear, you will start to experience energy, strength, passion, uh, abilities. You'll access your own innate resourcefulness that God created you with. It becomes amazing. So that's why focus is so important. Why is it important? I summarize. Your focus will determine your direction. Focus is is a form of concentration. Your feelings will follow your focus and your energy will be generated by your focus. And this is precisely why the devil wants to break your focus with what? He wants to break it with distractions, smoke screens, scarecrows, and invitations to war that God never sent you into. So let's start to conclude with how to focus. Listen carefully. Focus is a choice. You must actively and aggressively choose to focus on specific things. So you remember the first reading where Paul said, there's a great door open to me and there are many adversaries. Wow, he's now got a choice. He now has a choice. He's got to choose between the opportunity and the adversary. He's got to choose between, I got two things I could look at right now. I can look at my opportunity or I can look at the adversity. Okay. It's like Peter walking on the water. There's two things I can look at right now. I can look at the savior or I can look at the storm. I'm going to have to choose what I look at, what I focus on, what I imagine, what I concentrate on, what is the dominant picture in my mind. I'm going to have to choose. And so we focus by making active and aggressive choices. What do I mean by aggressive? I mean, sometimes you have to fight for your focus. Sometimes you have to say, devil, I am not going to sit here imagining that scenario. I am not going to sit here and entertain that possibility. I am not going to look back over my life and fail to see God in it. I'm going to rewrite the story and reinterpret the story and say, even when things went bad, God was still good even there because I survived. Hallelujah. Or it repositioned me or it pushed me to do things that I, I needed to do, but I wouldn't have done without the push. Or it taught me some valuable lessons. You know, it's about aggressively fighting that urge 
to focus on the negative, on the dark, and on the demonic, and choosing rather to focus on your opportunity, not on your adversity. It doesn't mean that you are somehow walking in cloud cuckoo land, unaware of adversity. You just put it in perspective. Yes, there's a trial here. Yes, there's a test here. Yes, there's a challenge over here. We're going to deal with that. We'll address it. We'll hit it square on. We'll make that phone call. We'll write that letter. We'll have that conversation. We'll go to the appointment. We'll do what we've got to do. But at no point is this going to become bigger than my opportunity. At no point is this going to become bigger than my destiny. It's not going to become bigger than my calling in this world. And so you choose it and you choose aggressively and actively to focus. So what are you going to focus on? Check this out. I got past, present, future, right? Because someone said, well, you can't focus on the past. Well, here's the thing. You can't forget your past. No, 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 because all the lessons you need for your future are all in your past. When we talk about not focusing back, not looking back, we're really talking about uh, not looking. It actually means several things. So, so number one, it's don't look back and say that those were my best days. OK, because listen to me, uh, a focused person knows that their best days are ahead of them. Praise God. So don't be looking back like that. Don't be looking back and focusing on what went wrong, focusing on failure, focusing on 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 uh, on the pain, focusing on uh, the, the things that you didn't like in your past. Focus on the good in your past, not the bad. What God has done, your testimony, your blessings, your lessons. Someone said, Bishop, have you got any Bible? I need a Bible. I need some Bible for that, because if you don't have Bible for that, I'm, I'm going to struggle with that. Well, I do, actually. Uh, we know that Joseph uh, in Egypt, we know it was a rocky road to the top, okay? We, we know it was not plain sailing uh, to get from his father's house to the, to the palace, right? So we know that he went through a lot of rejection and persecution and accusation and incarceration. And Joseph went through so much uh, in pursuit of his destiny on his pathway of purpose. But the day came when he lived his dream, okay? His brothers were bowing down in front of him. They didn't even know it was him. And Joseph put out all of the Egyptians and he put them out he could control himself no more. He wept. He took off his, his headgear, took off his makeup, and looked at them and said, I am Joseph, your brother. Wow. I am Joseph, your brother. Now, of course, they're shocked. They are embarrassed. They are ashamed. They are frightened. They're thinking, we did him so wrong. And now he has power over us. And here's what Joseph said to them. He said, brothers, don't be angry with yourselves. It wasn't you that sent me here. It was God who sent me ahead of you to save our family and to, uh, to preserve a posterity in the earth. Now, Joseph how did you reach that conclusion? Well, quite clearly, Joseph went back over his past and he began to see God in every episode. He said, wow, when my brothers rejected me, God was in that, working behind that. When they threw me into the pit, God was at work. When they sold me into slavery, God was working. When I ended up in Potiphar's house, God was working. When Potiphar's wife tried her thing, God was working. When I was sent to prison, God was working. When the Pharaoh's butler and baker were with me in prison, God was working. When I interpreted the, uh, uh, the butler and the baker's dream, that was God at work. It wasn't you, brothers, who sent me. It was God. And so when you look at your past, begin to look for God in your story. Because when you find that peace with your past, you're going to find power for the present and you're going to find purpose for your future. In the present, focus on the opportunity in your present, not on the crisis or the adversity. Great doors and adversity come together. Your job is to see the opportunity in your adversity.
We might talk a bit more about that on Sunday, but this is a very powerful principle. The future. Focus on where you're going. That is where you want to be, what you want to do and have. These are your goals. When you focus on achieving your goals, you will summon the energy to overcome. And finally, focus on Christ. Remember your source and your supply. Choose to focus on the presence, the promises, and the purposes of God for your life. Don't give the devil the attention he wants. The devil's not that big. Christ is absolutely awesome and infinitely worthy of your attention. So that's why we pray. That's why we have a prayer movement every 6 a.m., every 6 p.m., because it's a way of focusing in on Christ. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for every person that was exposed to this message tonight. And we are praying, Lord, for this series, Strategies for Victory, that uh, you will continue to equip us with tools and with weapons and with technique and with strategies that will give us victory uh, in this season and beyond this season, beyond COVID-19. Lord, as we begin to lift lockdowns around the world, may we come out bigger. May we come out better. May we come out stronger and wiser. May we not be looking back to normal, but may we be looking forward to new levels of normal, new normals that are more effective, more powerful, more graceful, and more glorious. And Father, for every person under the hearing of my voice that has not met you personally as Lord and Savior, we pray that today will be their day of salvation the day that they say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, I want to be born again. I want, I want to experience forgiveness and love. And I want, I want my eternity to be secure. Hallelujah. Father, let this be a night of revolution and transformation for somebody. And this we have prayed in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. But if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www iCanCommunityChurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.